0: Okay, so, uh, yeah, what is faith? Um, uh, ascent to all things which God has revealed to us in his word, uh, it's assured a trust, uh, kindled in, a, in our hearts by the Holy Spirit through the Gospel, whereby uh, I make my repose in God being assuredly resolved That remission of sins, everlasting righteousness, and life is given not to others only, but to me also, and that freely through the mercy of God for the merits of Christ alone. Went fast there because it's uh, the answer to question 21. Then we went to question 22 and 23 as Pastor Desmond taught, which brought us to what is uh, fitting after question 21, okay? Okay. So, talking about faith, the next question uh, is that, what are those things which are necessary for a Christian man to believe? Okay, what are those things that we're supposed to believe? And then we, we went to where? The summary of our belief is the Apostles' Creed, remember? Okay, Okay. now we're getting there. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified uh, dead and buried, descended to hell the third day he rose again, he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, from where he shall come to judge both the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body and the life everlasting amen okay the point there was it's a summary of uh, of our belief okay so now that takes uh, question 23 out of that takes us to the three main divisions of the Apostles Creed okay, you can remember those three main divisions of the Apostles Creed it's about the triune God Okay. About the trying of God, uh, God the Father, the Creator, and uh, God the Son as the Redeemer, and then uh, God the Holy Spirit as the Sanctifier. Right? Okay. So the Apostle's Creed takes us to the works of the Holy Trinity. <clears throat> so into how many? Oh yeah, that's that's the next question. So our topic today springs through uh, from that question number 24 which is this one. Seeing that there is but only one substance of God, why do you name those three? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so as you can see, that's the Holy Trinity, right? We're back there. We've studied the Holy Trinity many times. And uh, it wasn't too long ago that we did, uh, under the decree and deity, also under the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, I'm not saying we're, we're getting tired of it, right? What I'm saying is, it is the core, it is the center of our belief. Okay, Apostles' Creed. Okay, and this question leads us to a focus of the Trinitarian nature of our belief. Okay, so yet again, we will touch on the Trinity today, Holy Trinity. <clears throat> Our answer to this question is very strong, very weighty, and we're committed. This is the way God revealed himself in the scriptures, as a triune God. And okay, we're committed there. Okay, if, if, if we don't believe that, then you know you will be if you attend this church, you will have a hard time because that is what we espouse. That is what we believe, and that is going to come out, that is going to ooze out of us. And we're committed, and the Word of God, as we will, as we believe, as, as we will attest, does not lie on this. Okay? So, <clears throat> that is probably one of our... Uh, Uh, not a requirement. It is a requirement uh, uh, as a member is for you to believe that you are Trinitarian. We are Trinitarian. If you're not Trinitarian, you'll have a hard time being a member of this church. Is that right? That's right. (laughs) Okay. Doesn't mean you won't be saved. though. (laughs) Doesn't mean you won't understand it. But we are committed there. Our conviction is that the Holy Bible teaches Although we don't use the word, it doesn't use the word Trinitarian, I know that. That's, that's always been de- debated, but it is there. It is taught by the Scripture. Okay? So <clears throat> the answer to the formal answer to that question is this, because God has manifested Himself in His Word that these three distinct persons are that one true everlasting God. Okay? By this language alone, if somebody would read that who's okay not trinitarian or probably is not aware or is not accustomed to the christian believers says this is doesn't make sense three distinct persons one true everlasting god so i'm saying that we believe in one god and he is god the father god the son and god the holy spirit okay you go like Something wrong there. Okay, but we are, uh, we believe in these things. Okay? Here we need to assert the truth regarding the Trinity that this is not a ridiculous doctrine, okay? And not a contradictory doctrine. Some debater that argues against the doctrine of Trinity would say that we have how many gods? Three gods, okay? There's a a cultic. I wouldn't even uh, admit calling it a church, (laughs) but there's a cultic—they call themselves church organization in the Philippines, you uh, know—who went online. It's still online uh, on a debate on the trinitarian. I can't remember who was—he was—who was was, he was debating? But uh, he—he was mocking the Trinity. Okay, a large portion of the audience was from that organization, from that church, so. And they were like, there were a lot of them, and it seems like they were winning because they were clapping all together. But this is how he mocks the Trinity. He says, okay, you Christians or Baptists, I, I can't remember who he was reading, but he's on YouTube. He says, you believe in one God, all right? Is that true? Yeah. But he says, let me count them, okay? God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, okay? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. How many is that? Three. So you have three gods. And then the whole audience was like, yay! Okay? But you could feel it. It wasn't a a, a nice debate. It was more like uh, I I don't know. It was was almost like a joke to me when you look at it. Okay? But anyway, uh, what I'm saying here is... uh, If we are to say that there is one God and also three gods, then that would be a contradictory. Okay? But we are not saying that. We're not saying we have three gods. One God in three gods. We're not saying that. We are saying that there are three, what, persons in one God. Persons. When we say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we are saying that the word God in all three, signifies that they share the same divine, what's the word? Essence, okay? Hold on to that word, essence. That is God. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When that word God there, we are identifying the essence, the divine essence of all three. And the qualifier Father, Son, and Holy Spirit communicates to us what? What's a good word that we use all the time? Distinction, right? Distinction. They are uh, identifiably separate from, uh, not separate, but uh, distinct, that's a word that we get, distinct from one another. So it's like these words that we use, it's like we're at the very bottom of, of the study. Okay? When we study something, we, we put names, right? Atom, molecules, what else? Electrons, protons. And we get to the bottom of our no- nomenclature that we cannot define it anymore, or we can't pinpoint another word that we can use to describe something. So in, in this sense, we have come up to the very bottom of our of the idea and so these words are uh, we we repeat to say them because there are no other way we can explain or describe the situation so there is essence there is persons right so i don't know of any other uh, way or any other avenue by which we can explain the holy trinity by using these words that we use. Does that make sense? Essence and persons. So, he is one in regards to his being, God, but three in regards to his persons, okay? One God, three persons. Not one God and three gods, no. The Trinity is mysterious, as we can see, and we should admit that when we talk to people it is mysterious meaning we don't know everything there are some things that we cannot explain but they are there these ideas are there we know it because we question but we just can't explain or sometimes we can't even ask the proper question we just don't know that we, uh, we just know that we don't understand everything but at the same time we admit that it is not uh, unreasonable. It, it is not contradictory to reason. That might be it. Okay? It's reasonable. We can explain to a, to a degree logically the existence of the mystery. Okay, So we proclaim the trinity. We proclaim the uh, the unity of God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, because this is how God reveals Himself in the Scripture. So we're committed there. That is there. It is in Scripture. Okay? So for us, for anybody to convince us that the Holy Trinity is fictitious, even if they understood what it all means for us, and they will deny it. We, we will be lopsided, we will not be settled. Why? Because we, okay, our position is this is how the Bible reveals God, Okay, the Godhead, the Triune God. Questions? Make sense? We're committed there. Yeah, Arnie, I, so, I was just going to uh, make a comment about
1: It's not illogical, it's super logical, meaning it's uh, above our logic, okay. because God is so much greater than we are, and so it's not a contradiction, like can point it out, yeah.
0: um, but it's
1: above our understanding completely, so we can explain it, and it makes sense on one level, but also it is above
0: our reason. That makes sense, yeah. Hence the mystery. Our logic can only go so far.
1: Okay?
0: And just like anything in the world that is created, God created logic. Okay? And uh, our logic can only go so far. But super logic, I like that. Okay? So, the Belgic Confession, Article 9, explains, uh, has more explanation to this. So I'll go there. Okay? If you, I didn't put it in there, no, I should have, I, I meant to straighten it. But if you have your your smartphones, you can go there. Okay, but I'll read because it's so rich that I'd like, I like going there as far as framing our mind around how the scripture reveals the Godhead, okay? How the Godhead, instead of this approaching, okay, somebody debates you, somebody challenges you, where is Trinity in the Bible? Okay. The word Trinity in the Bible. That, to me, that's just a silly, silly way of, 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 of arguing. Okay? We're, we're talking about a concept here. So, the Belgian Confession, if you have time, go there. It will frame your mind about how the scripture reveals the Godhead, as I said. Okay, here you go. Article 9. The proof of the foregoing article of the trinity of persons in one god okay that's talking about article 8. Uh, all this we know as well from the testimonies of holy writ the bible as from their operations and chiefly by those we feel in ourselves the testimonies of the holy scriptures that teach us to believe this holy trinity are written in many places of the Old Testament which are not so necessary to enumerate as to choose them out with this question and judge them many places in the Old Testament in Genesis 1 26 27 God said let us make man in our image after our likeness etc so God created man in his own image male and female created he them in Genesis three twenty two, behold The man is become as one of us. Plural, right? From this saying, let us make man in our image, it appears that there are more persons than one in the Godhead. And when he said God created, he signifies the unity. It is true he does not say how many persons there are, but that which appears to us somewhat obscures So somewhat obscure in the Old Testament is very plain in the New. For when our Lord was baptized in Jordan, the voice of the Father was heard saying, This is my beloved Son. And the Son was seen in the water, and the Holy Ghost appeared in the shape of a dove. We know this. We go there all the time. This form is also instituted by Christ in the baptism of all believers. Baptize all nations in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Holy Ghost. In the Gospel of Luke, the angel Gabriel thus addressed Mary, the mother of our Lord. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Likewise, <coughs> the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you. That's uh, the that Trinitarian blessing in the Second Corinthians. Okay. And there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. In all which places we are fully taught that there are three persons in one, only one, only divine essence. And although this doctrine far surpasses all human understanding, okay, there it is, surpasses all human understanding. Nevertheless, we now believe, uh, we now believe it by means of the word of God but expect hereafter to enjoy the perfect knowledge and benefit thereof in heaven. We will know more in heaven. Moreover, moreover, we must observe the particular offices and operations of these three persons towards us, their works. The father is called our creator by his power. The son is our savior and redeemer by his blood. The Holy Ghost is our sanctifier by his dwelling in our hearts. This doctrine of the Holy Trinity hath always been defended and maintained by the true Church since the times of the Apostles to this very day. Against the Jews, against the Mohammedans, uh, the Muslims, Okay. And some false Christians and heretics, as Marcion, Main, Amens, Braxias, Sabellius, Samosatenus, Arius, we know him, and such like, who have been justly condemned by the Orthodox Fathers. Therefore, in this point, we do willingly receive the three creeds, namely that of the Apostles, Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasius' Creed. Likewise that which conformable thereunto is agreed upon by the ancient fathers. Okay? Meaning it's well documented our belief. Out of the scriptures, they codified it as our belief. Okay, we talked about I think Pastor Des was talking about symbols, right? Symbols, uh the apostles create as symbols. Symbols marks us, delineate us from others. Okay. So there it is. We are Trinitarian. We're there. Okay. <clears throat> so. Of God's incomprehensibility. The doctrine of the Holy Trinity for us as Christians who grew up or who have matured or who have learned through the church it's not so strange okay? it's not so strange the doctrine of the Holy Trinity because we readily believe in the incomprehensibility of God meaning we cannot know everything about God there is there are things reserved okay for God alone maybe in this uh, age maybe revealed to us uh, in heaven okay? but we will know more and there are things that we don't know yet and we readily accept that we don't force ourselves to understand okay everything we search the scripture diligently we study it okay and we go as far as we can that the envelope would bring us but after that we stop okay after that stop the hard part is when to stop right so We have counsel, we have pastors, we have a lot of uh, literature, but that is really the key there. It's for when we study, when do we stop? Put that in our mind when we study, and we guard ourselves against heresy, okay? That is so true in the Holy Trinity. We do know Him, but not to all the depths of what He is. I would argue also not to all the beauty of what he is and what he does. So much of our sc- scholarly work, okay. I mean the, the, the church uh, at large, uh, scholarly work about God is a process of discovering more about him. Okay. Not only scholarly work, but personal study. We know more of him personally. And also, aside from discovering more about him, knowing more about him, we also, uh, uh, incumbent upon us in, in, containing, in containing our knowledge of him, that we don't go beyond what he has revealed to us. Okay. That is still part of the scholarly work. We put boundaries that we don't become We don't go through the trappings of mysticism that we extend our knowledge by speculations. Okay? Nevertheless, this gives us the posture to accept that which we don't fully understand and yet hold to its truthfulness. Okay? So, God's incomprehensibility does not necessarily emphasize. our limitation, the limitation of creatures like us. But instead, we should look at it that it emphasizes the divinity of God. That He is transcendent, that He is beyond us. It emphasizes that more than, yes, we reflect on our Uh, limitations, but we should highlight that God transcendent that he is divine that there is more to him that deserves our worship and then that is glorifying for his essence someone has said that if we fully understand God down to his last speckle of truth if we fully understood God everything there is to know I up to the minute level or to the grandest of ideas if we know that, then he ceases to be God, okay? Can't remember who it was, but his name. So our sense of wonderment will will, will, will stop, okay? Our, our sense of awe will turn into familiarity. And you know what familiarity breeds, right? Our worship will feel empty as creatures of God. We have the privilege to look up in worship to the gods, to God's incomprehensibility. So we look at this concept as something that, uh, that, that will drive us to worship, drive us to, to, to seek the glory of God. Okay. So he created out of nothing. Hi. See? These things that uh, we struggle with. He created ex nihilo. Out of nothing, who can understand all that? He is eternal. Okay? Can you imagine, can you even think a reality without time? Uh, Can you uh, explain Jesus' uh, supernatural birth? Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to God the Father. We have union with Christ. How do you explain that? Okay? To the fullest degree. We know it exists. We have some kind of feel of it, mediated by the Holy Spirit, right? We can't explain it that way, but union with Christ, are we like, it's hard. So the Holy Spirit dwells in us. How does that happen? Okay. How can we understand these things? So, as I was saying, with those things, we bow down and worship. We contain what we know, okay? but uh, we bow down and worship. Perhaps the greatest of the mysteries that deserve our worship is the Holy Trinity. So it's one way of looking at the Holy Trinity. Okay, Instead of this idea of, that might lead us to confusion, Lead us to more worship, oh, I'm sorry, uh, more chaos or, or, or uh, uh, uncertainty, try looking at it from the uh, perspective that it will lead you to worship, it will lead you to all of who God is. Okay? That make sense? All right. So. The mystery that deserve our worship in the Holy Trinity, the relationship of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the things we know about God and the things reserved for perhaps later are equally deserving our worship. The Trinity is part of the wonder and glory of God. The Christian should not give up in despair if he cannot understand God totally. On the contrary, he should bow down and worship. So. Uh, so when we, there's so much to learn, there's so much topic or subtopics within the Holy Trinity that we can't go into, but for today, uh, based on the question that we have, question 24, uh, these are things to consider, okay? We talked about essence and persons, okay? So in the Holy Trinity, focus on that, those words, those words that we use. Essence and persons, Trinity. Okay, essence. Uh, there's there's a Greek word. That I, I, I don't want to open because it's probably gonna get more discussion. <laughs> but okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, second one is how are there, how are the three persons of the Godhead distinguished? Okay, we know they are distinct. God the Father, got the Son, got the Holy Spirit. But how are they distinguished? Okay, what what are the categories there? Okay, so, and then third, why is it necessary that the Church should hold fast to the doctrine of t- Trinity? Okay, think about the third person. Maybe I'll ask a question later on. Okay, maybe if we have time. Well, okay, so essence. We are to understand in reference to, to this subject that which is the Eternal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are considered. Okay, eternal is the right word there. The Eternal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are considered and declared to be. Okay, here's the one, O-N-E. The, this essence brings the idea of the singular, the, the singly and absolutely in themselves which is common to all three so um, this is where you uh, the concept that comes to you when you talk about that word essence is that god is one this is where it lies okay so by the term persons however we are to understand that which the three persons of the godhead are considered and declared to be individually individually the persons and relatively relatively is in relation to one another or as compared to each other um okay so this is just to hone in to your uh, uh I would say categories in your mind these shelves in our mind that uh, would bring us to more understanding so essence uh, brings us to God is one, and the person brings us to that distinction of the three. Uh, of the three. So we may define essence as the very um, being of God, the very eternal and only deity, the godness, the deity. While, while the term person refers to the reality in which the being of God or the divine essence Subsists in each of these three. Okay. Alright. So this distinction of essence and person is to be observed um, such that the unity of the true God, the unity of the true God may not be impaired. Okay, so here, here's that concept of containing what we believe, okay? And not going further. So the essence. The unity of the true God may not be impaired or the distinction of persons will be taken away. So these words that we use uh, are important because they protect our belief. As I said, we can't go any further in explaining it. But we hold on to these words. Uh, so something else be understood by the term person that the truth is God's I'm sorry. So... The unity of the true God may not be impaired or the distinction of the person be taken away. So I'm emphasizing the importance of words.
1: Okay.
0: So the third one, uh, second one, how are the three persons of the Godhead distinguished? <clears throat> so um, I hope I'm not going uh, too far forward here, okay? So uh, I'm not going into the... Uh, uh, as far as uh, the, the personhood of, of the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but I'm gonna go uh, directly to how how do we differentiate uh, if they are one in their being? How do we differentiate them? The mechanics or the categories that uh, can be used. Okay. So. <clears throat> uh, I think Orsinos or 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 uh, had this distinction, okay. One broad categories internally, and the other one is externally. Internally, uh, for the father, it's, it has something to do with their uh, internally it has something to do with uh, how they exist. Okay, how they exist for the father exists of himself. Not from other, from another. He is, I am. That's it, okay? The son is begotten. Here's another word that that we cannot go any further, okay? Okay, essence, person, we can't go any further. There's another word. The son is uh, begotten eternally. So we should use that word begotten from the father. That is, he has his divine essence, uh, communicated to him from the father uh, in a way not to be explained so there's another that's another word here communicated that's as far as we can go communicate his divinity is communicated to uh, the son so meaning he has what the father has as far as deity is shared so okay the son the father is exists in himself, the Son is begotten, the Holy Spirit, what's the word that we use? Proceeds. Proceeds, okay? Now, think about these words, because they, there might be others, but I ho- the way I study this is to, I hold on to those words, because those are the exact words that we can no longer uh, use, uh, other, other words, okay? So, the Holy Spirit proceeds, eternally from the Father and the Son, that is, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit proceeds eternally from the Father and the Son. Okay, there's significance to that, but we won't go there now, there's, a, there's another question later on that we can go there, uh, I'm talking about the uh, filial clause, okay? So proceeds from the Father and the Son. <clears throat> Has the divine essence communicated to him from the Father and the Son, and in an explicable, inexplicable manner? So there it is again. Okay, <clears> those <throat> unexplainable things. So that's how we explain the distinction internally. Okay, their subsistence, their, their, how they exist. Okay, we can also explain the distinction, how they are different, externally. Okay. By uh, externally is by uh, I guess how they work, how, how how their works are revealed to us. Okay, something we can sort of tangibly in our mind see. Okay, the father, uh, or Sinus uses the word here, fountain, uh, spr- uh, where things spring out of. Okay father is the fountain as of the person so also of the working of the son and the holy spirit and that's all things not by any other that is not by another working through him so he works uh, by himself through himself of himself it's all generated from himself the father okay not by the will of another uh, not uh, through his own power, through his own efficacy, but as existing of himself, so also knowing, working, etc. of himself. It's all. Uh, sorry, see how I struggle with the Holy Trinity? <laughs> it's uh, by himself, okay? So we can understand this better when we go to the Son, okay, and the Holy Spirit. The Son and the Holy Spirit do not work of themselves, but by themselves that is the son works the father's will going before okay the father's will going before him and so he does work the holy spirit works the will of the father and of the son going before him so the father works by the son and holy spirit and sends them but he himself is not sent by them Okay, so the dynamics of the working of the Trinity uh, explains also the distinction between them. Go ahead. Okay, okay. One
1: way that's really helpful to think about it, especially you know, when we're talking about God, we're talking about eternity and the yeah. fact that there was never a beginning. There was never a time when the Son was not. The Holy Spirit was not. And so it's helpful to think about the fact that the Father was never without a son, never with a and son. the Father and the Son were never without the Holy Spirit. Right. And the Father eternally begins the Son. So there was never a time when the Father was not beginning the Son. Right. And the Holy Spirit eternally proceeds from the Son. So there never was a time when he was not present there. With and you know, like, like you mentioned so much, it's hard to wrap our minds around. Right that's been helpful for me, right. for it, the was never his son, the, son of the was never his son. Right.
0: Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I may have said it uh, in passing, but it uh, is very important uh, concept uh, to hold on to while we discuss the differentiation, okay? Because you might have a tendency, especially when you talk about the existence of this of the Son and, and the Holy Spirit uh, uh, and the Father okay, as, as a distinguishing factor between the, the three of them or their works. So your mind will, will play around uh, and the framework that it plays around uh, would, might lead you to, to think that they proceeded, is that word again? That they existed uh, through the Father, uh, as far as a succession, okay? As far as succession in time, no, they are all eternal. There was never a time that uh, none, uh, one or the other, did not exist. Go ahead. I, I yeah. was
1: just going to add. That I heard sort of that same concept, um, talking about uh, um, you know God being eternal and never changing, and how God is love. So even before time there had to be that relationship there for right god another person for god to love, love and that being the son okay and the holy spirit in that relationship always always existing always before existing. time yeah
0: and that relationship the quality of that relationship also existed even before time love of god isn't that nice concepts of love right even before creation like, it, you might struggle with the concepts of love, where it's relationship, where it's affection. It, it almost feels like it's ours. No, it belongs as well, maybe even uh, more properly. It belongs to the union of the Holy Trinity, that, that affection, that love. So the, works, uh, the Son works through the Holy Spirit, sends him from the Father into the hearts of those that believe, but is not himself sent by the Holy Spirit, but of the Father. The Holy Spirit works and is sent from both the Father and the Son, not from himself. All things were made by him. The Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For what things uh, soever he, do, he doeth, this also doeth the Son likewise. I proceed forth, and came from God, Neither came I of myself, whom the Father will send in my name, whom I will send unto you from the Father. So, this is all just uh, uh, explaining or revealing to us uh, the works and how they are uh, related to one another, that there is a distinction. Okay? So, let's read the answer. If uh, you, somebody who's got the. Uh, Uh, The handout okay let's read the different uh, phrases I wrote it down so we can read it quick Uh, references about uh, the Holy Trinity and I was emphasizing that we teach in such a way that the, the, the scripture reveals to us the idea of the Holy Trinity okay so go ahead whoever has it uh the hand out. Uh yeah, go with first verse and just go down.
1: Deuteronomy yeah. six four. Hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might.
0: Okay. So uh, I, I I went uh I followed the pattern of the uh, catechism and you said A and B there. It was highlighted. A highlights a true one God, and B, highlights the relationship of the, the Holy Trinity, okay? So, yeah, might as well read all of A, okay?
1: Uh, Isaiah 44.6, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, besides me there is no God. First Corinthians 8.4, Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. Uh, Ephesians 4.6, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in
0: all. Okay. So, there is only one. Okay, let's uh, be. can read the first three references. Tim, you Yeah, go ahead. Uh, first 1, says, The Lord says to Lord, Consider my right hand Okay. Yeah, uh, in the interest of time, is the who can read the fourth one? Is the fourth one Corinthians? Second Corinthians? I don't have a list mm-hmm. Or whoever can read the first second Corinthians. Th- it's the second Corinthians yeah, 13. is it in there? Yeah, thirteen.
1: The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you
0: all. Yeah. Okay, so there's more and all these references is what we're saying here the scripture reveals okay I want to have the first uh, in the letter B okay uh, the first uh, Psalm 110 there uh, somewhat a difficult passage but uh, the idea there is that there's a distinction the Lord said to my Lord okay so it's distinct this is separated the first Lord there is talking about uh, Yahweh uh, and then the, the second Lord there is talking about without going too too much further there, he's talking about the Messiah, okay, by the referencing uh, reference of sitting at the right hand of the Father. So you can see the distinction, okay. And the baptism of the whole, uh, baptism of Jesus Christ, we can see all three of them there doing separate things, okay. They're not one and doing different hats, but they're three different things, right? The God Father spoke, Holy Spirit descended into the into Jesus and Jesus was baptized okay and then the uh, Great Commission okay is also there baptizing them in the name of the Father it's it's so nice that the baptism of Jesus Christ happened in the context of the triune God's presence and also us Christians and when we become baptized also in the context of the Triune God. Isn't that so nice also? Okay. And I never really thought about that. That way. Jesus and us are like in the context of baptism, in the context of the Triune God. It's so nice. Now let's hone in on the Second Corinthians. This is called the... uh, uh I'm going to go a little bit... five minutes because I want to hone in on this. Uh, Uh, This is called the Trinitarian blessing. Okay, we use this as benediction, Trinitarian blessing. But look at the order. Look at the order of how it was presented there. It's Jesus first, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the uh, fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and I heard an exposition of this. I was so blessed by it, and uh, uh, he. The pastor was saying that this is in the uh the way it's presented because it is in the context of our the experience we have in salvation okay the experience we have in salvation that in salvation we approach the triune god through the grace of our lord jesus christ if you don't know the grace the gospel message of our lord jesus christ okay that is we we without that mediation of christ we can we won't know the love of God which comes second right in, in that uh, phrasing we won't know the love of God okay does that strike you as uh, it, it struck me somewhat of a uh, the preciousness of the gospel message and, uh, and the relationship of the, of the triune God okay so you know the, this concept about God is love, this universal love, right? Uh, It kind of contradicts that, when you study that deeper, okay? The love of God, we will never know the extent of the love of God revealed to us by God, by God, if we don't know Jesus Christ. Okay, so all these people are saying, it's all about the love of God, but if they don't know Jesus Christ, they don't really know the love of God, see? The love of God to us is, is, is revealed to us and will never be revealed, if not by the cross and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So that is so precious, isn't it? That's why we're called Christians, okay? So if you have time, study the benediction, study that blessing, okay? Last one, three minutes, okay? Why is it necessary that the church should hold fast to the doctrine of the Trinity? That's a question for you. Why is it, why should we hold fast to it? Why is it necessary for the church to proclaim it, to hold fast to it?
1: So we don't fall into
0: heresy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's revealed.
1: One, we are of one mind with Jesus in, in the teachings of Scripture.
0: Okay. Yeah. What else? Joy. I'm sorry? Yeah. It's revealed to the scripture. Okay? The whole past. Okay.
1: What did the secret belongs to us.
0: Right. That is so nice. It belongs to us. Okay? The oh, Trinity. Okay? One here it says, on the account of the glory of God, that he may this, thus be distinguished from idols. This is one of the separate things that uh, who we are, symbols that Pastor Desmond talks about. Right? These are symbols that who we are distinguishes us uh, from the pagans. This is a hard concept to understand, let alone somebody comes up with it, okay? Uh, uh, Willy nilly. Okay. This is for the glory of God with whom he will not be confounded, paganism idols, and that he may be known and worship as such a one as he has revealed himself. And this one is, uh, I like this one. On account of our comfort and salvation. Remember all this catechism? Our only comfort is we belong to Jesus Christ, right? Uh, on the account of our comfort. For no one is saved. No one is saved. Without the knowledge of God the Father. But the Father is not known. Without the Son. No man man has seen God at any time. That the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. Whoever denies the Son. The same has not the Father. Again no no man is saved. Without the faith in the Son of God our mediator. Okay. This is the true God and eternal life so likewise no man is sanctified and saved without the knowledge of the Holy Spirit so it's for our comfort trying we will never be comfortable if the trying God is it so going by the second Corinthians if we look at it if we look at it from the pagans point of view that there is only one God God the Father and then the God the Son is a creature and God the Holy Spirit is a creature if Look at it. How can, how can the immensity, the transcendence, the beauty of God, divine, go through a creature? Okay. It's explaining how can the love of God be imparted to us through creatures? It cannot. So the Son and the Holy Spirit must be God for that love to be delivered unto us does that make sense okay that concept blows me away we will never have the blessing this is Trinitarian blessing the blessing of god the divine favor of god if it's delivered through jesus, jesus the son and the holy spirit sustaining us it will never happen through creature creature it's so big it's so grand that the love of god and the blessing of god cannot be delivered that way so the son and the holy spirit must be God. they cannot hold it's so if a creature is so small that the love of god cannot cannot go through okay does that make sense thank you that's it questions lord heavenly father thank you thank you for who you are our triune god in jesus name amen